In the far off distant future, it's See For Yourself, the only podcast that can't say or do anything fun because it's already been trademarked and we don't want to get sued. Serving as your host for today, I'm More Trouble Than I'm Worth, and I'm joined today by LD once again. It's a long name, but so is mine. Yep, yep, yep. I, I'll go by again, but yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll take what I can guess, it turns out. I have a I have a, a movie for you today, LD, once again. Oh, I, I can't wait to hear about it. We're going to do this one as clinically as possible. I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to give you the title of the film and you just tell me what you think of the movie. I'm gonna go, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I have not seen this movie. I don't know anything about this movie. Cool. The name of the film, I'm going to butcher this, so please forgive me. The name of this film is Zyrum 2. Oh, okay, cool. I, I'm not actually officially seen this movie i feel like i've seen a movie in the franchise but i don't remember anything about it well well well, let's let's go ahead and just make our predictions based on the title sure probably the hardest film in in our entire history of films to do this with because <laughs> there's nothing to go off of here well just in the title so Zyrum. um it sounds not from around here, so I'm going to assume that it's a Japanese film, but that's mostly because I know it's from Japan. That's about all that I can guess. Zai Ram. I don't know. It, it, it could be about, it could be like rams, like the goat type creatures. Yes, go on. Yeah, Zai Ram. Maybe it's like Zion. So like they're trying to find their promised land that was like, you know, promised to all the rams. So it's a herd of rams have escaped Egypt and they're on their way to, to Zyram. I, th- I think that we, we need more Ram representation in film. We don't, we, don't, we don't really get it a lot. Yeah, I mean... There was that character in The Wrestler. Was it Roddy the Ram? Rammy the Ram Piper? Something, I don't remember his name. Played by a good actor whose name I also can't remember. Jesus, The Wrestler was a great film. I enjoyed it. Who plays as the guy? It's like a... Uh... Mickey Rourke. <laughs> Mickey Rourke! Fuck me to death! Yeah. Mickey works. Um, yeah, I I love him. He has such a gristly face. His face is like a, a freaking catcher's mitt, you know, like yeah, just very leathery. Yeah, it, it's it's impossible to like not know the guy when you see him. It's like, oh yeah, one of those iconic faces. I love him in the wrestler because he's like one of those characters that's like a uh, like a tough guy with a heart of gold. Yeah, and I think that that's how I prefer him. I know he's played like a lot of like villains or monsters because of his like more gruff face, but I like him as like a heroic noble character who just happens to look that way i love him in the sin city and um there's a few 80s films where he's barely recognizable dude was like a facially attractive person at some point in time he just sort of like got old and leathery still still a beautiful man sure i guess my prediction for this when i heard uh Zyram, i was like this sounds like hiram oh, okay. and i'm totally okay with this just being like okay so he's like a nerdy dude right just a nerdy dude and people are picking on him and it's not cool and he just hates it but he has created an alter ego for himself. And I'm, I'm hoping for all of the eloquence in his alter ego of, like, Butters and Professor Chaos. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love Professor Chaos. That kind of transformation, you know? Yeah, yeah. Little do they know, I'm really Zyram, you know? <laughs> Out of the closet with the homemade, you know, uh, costume on. Yes. <laughs> Mom, I can't. No. <laughs> I'm I'm busy trying to destroy the world. <laughs> and his version of destroying the world is like solving people's math problems for them so they don't have the joy of learning. Like, ah, oh, oh, I'm making future students stupider <laughs> by doing their math homework. <laughs> Goodbye, STEM fields. <laughs> 
this will teach them. When they have to do advanced algebra, they're going to be screwed. There aren't enough Z movies. Like, I mean, I, I know a lot, not a lot of people are familiar with like going to like video stores, but even like scrolling through like Netflix or something, if you have it on alphabetical, you almost never get to Z, you know, you'll find something before you get there. Anyone who gets to Z, they really are very picky or they're just trying to kill time. So if you got all the way down to Z for Zyram at your local video store, you're probably a lot like me and you just, you just want to spend a lot of time at the video store and stay away from home, you know. I was spending time with a uh, romantically inclined individual. I don't know what the fucking word for this is. I, I, I don't know. She's, she's not my girlfriend or nothing. We were just making googly eyes at each other. What's the word for Sure, this? sure, sure. We had a situation ship. We had a situation ship, you know. I call that a crush. Sure, sure. Something's going on here. And I get over to her place and we're just like hanging out and she's like, do you want to watch something on the TV? And I'm like, oh yeah, sure. She's like, yeah, I, I usually use, and she pulled up some streaming service. I didn't have this particular streaming service, so I'm just like kid in a candy store. I'm just like poking through everything. I'm not really like, you know, picking any one thing. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. And she's like, do you want to watch it? And I'm like, to be perfectly frank with you, ma'am. <laughs> I want to keep scrolling through all the bullshit on this fucking thing. <laughs> I want to see what else they have, and then maybe I'll come back, but I'll probably forget. I'll definitely forget. My brain doesn't have the capacity for that. I have the capacity to be like, this is neat, and then I'm on to the next thing. I don't know. Shit, man. I'll do that at the worst possible times, too. Like, where I'll be like, all right, I'm writing this script. I'm trying to make this script work. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Wouldn't it be cool if we did a script where a bunch of people are eaten by a whale? And like... <laughs> Why am I doing this right now? I have another project. Oh, man. But, uh, uh, so we have the, the title of the film figured out, you know, Hiram, the, the Professor Chaos character and the biblical allegory, but put onto goats or rams or what have you. And so this is just from my awareness of another Zyram movie, but is it spelled Z-E-I-R-A-M? Yes. Okay, so yes, this is what I'm thinking about. I've seen one of these movies. I know it's based on something else maybe maybe a manga maybe a book or maybe it's just a video game i i, I don't know but sure. it's a uh, kind of oldish the movie itself zyram 2 was made in according to the interwebs it's made in 1994 and it's supposed to have an hour and 47 minute runtime oh yes i'm gonna go ahead and give you the uh poster for it so you can take a look at that cool Zari Ram, Zari Ram. Just imagining a ram like coming down from the mountain with two tablets. Zari Ram, Zari Ram. Guys, I found these sweet ass tablets. <laughs> what are you doing? What is that golden calf doing there? <laughs> no, and, and, and instead of like, you know, like pushing it, he sends his ram horns into it and just try to topple it over. <laughs> So this is the poster. Yep, very, very 90s cyber sci-fi up too late at 2 a.m. And you're seeing like, if Japan had a sci-fi channel, that's what this would be airing on. This this poster kind of ruins both of our ideas. <laughs> I'm I'm psyched. Like it looks it looks watchable. Although posters are generally supposed to be like a little cooler than the fact. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's, it's like a politician's promise, you know. It's like listen, <laughs> things are gonna be really cool once you get there, man. Like your mind's gonna be blown, and then you're there. It's like this looks like today, dude. Like this this doesn't look like anything new. <laughs> Guys, when I get elected, it's gonna be free beer and hookers as far as the eye can see. And like, oh, cool. And you get there, and they're like, actually, it's just taxes. It's 
It's just more taxes. Oh, not cool. Sorry, guys. I I just wanted the job. I um I'm not keeping my promises. I'm sorry. It's like, yeah, we knew, we knew. I'd really like to be able to do this for a couple of years and then be set for life and never have to worry about anything ever again. And uh, people will just like me for no reason or hate me for no reason, but at least they'll be thinking of me. Ha <laughs> ha. Okay, well, there's a seems seemingly like a guy with a helmet that maybe has ears on top of it, so that could still be a ram. I'm not gonna lie, when I saw that, this is another thing we do on this podcast a lot. It looks like Batman. Does it not look kind of like Batman? <laughs> Am I the only one? It's going for like a Batman vibe, but I honestly thought more about Donnie Darko. You know the the creepy rabbit? Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it looks like creepy rabbit from Donnie Darko. Um, except with sort of like a Mandalorian eyes or something. A mask is just like a slit, you know? And I, I do like all the blues and then the red lettering kind of at the center sort of makes it pop out. I love this, uh, I'm assuming this is a lady. Not sure, but it looks kind of like a lady's face, maybe. This character here to the left that's like in this like, it looks kind of like sci-fi, but like very toned down sort of body armor thing going on. I, I like it. It looks like a leather glove. That looks badass. She's clearly a warrior in the fight of Zyram 2. And then we've got like a few guys over to the right. There's one dude looks like he's got like a maybe he's holding something over his shoulder, like maybe a katana. Uh, I'm guessing the dude with the face, that's probably just like cop who's there and doesn't know what's going on. He's like, oh man. Bumbling idiot cop. I can't handle all all these like goat rams and like cyber bunnies. I can't. No, no. <laughs> Uh, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> yeah. I like the guy in the far back there with, like, the, the traditional, like, weird hat thing going on. I don't know what that oh, is. Right. Yeah. It's like, um, what's your name from Power Rangers with the crazy... Rita Repulsa. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, it's, it was always, like, a general or, like, a, a mad king that's just there to scream at his subordinates. Did you ever see uh, Big Trouble in Little China? Yeah, yeah, I love Big Trouble. The Chinese sorcerer that he has to fight. Mm -hmm. yeah. the, the, like, his hat that he wears in a lot of his scenes. Yeah, it's there to be the icons. It's like uh, Spaceballs, you know? Like, this is more ridiculous than could be believable. Okay, well, we've eaten up enough time without the blurb. Let me just go ahead and give you the blurb and that might actually sure. sort of slap you in the face with some stuff you've already said. The blurb is as follows. An intergalactic bounty hunter squares off against a deadly alien that has taken over the body of her combat android. Um, so far, this is in keeping with the first Siren film, which honestly, if you ask me what I saw, was mostly just alien bounty hunter that's all i could remember so i have no knowledge of the original Zyram film i am incredibly comfortable with just like jumping in on a franchise wherever for sure if you make a movie and you can't watch and enjoy it by itself no matter where it is in the franchise you stumbled somewhere like every film should be at least relatively self-contained they should be able to at least hold your hand for the first half hour and then, like, let you go. Like an adult teaching a child to ride a bicycle is like, okay, all right, you got this. You know what we're going for? Cool. You got questions? Big deal. And honestly, in the first Iran film, I still had questions. So it wasn't like they explained everything in part one. So I had no clue that you had seen the first film. I genuinely picked this film in the hopes that it would be one of those, like, no one's ever fucking seen or heard of this thing. <laughs> I can safely select this. And whoever is my recording partner will be like, oh, yeah, dog, I ain't never, I ain't never heard of a Zy Ram. I, yeah, I like the Rams as a, a football team. Are they a football team? I don't know. I, I don't even remember what Zy Ram refers to. It might be the name of the alien they're hunting 
thing. It might be the bounty hunter themselves. It might be just the world in which this is taking place. Uh, I, I don't even remember. Mm. For the most part, it's like I wasn't even there. Japanese science fiction, I'm always down to watch any of that. It's a very niche niche section. I'm going to go ahead and start us off with some wacky predictions. Okay, go for it. I really, really want to see a situation where, let's say it's like the final scenes of the movie. She finally defeats this alien that's taken over her cyborg thing's body, and I would love for the alien to be entirely unimposing. You remember in uh, Men in Black, where the guy's like face comes open and there's like a little alien living in his head. Oh yeah. It's basically being controlled by a mouse. Yeah. Like that. I would like that scene specifically where they're like, <laughs> Oh no, an, an alien that we're supposed to be bounty hunting. And it's like supposed to be this big imposing force. And like, they build it up over the course of the film and they're like, well, we got to, you know, get him out of the, the cyborg that helps me do my missions. Maybe it, it doesn't make it a joke, but maybe it's like a, an emotional realization that like this thing wasn't as threatening as we thought it would be. Maybe it's like just pure anger is like, you know, I, I lost so many friends, you know, like so many of my compatriots fell at your hands and what you're like the size of a quarter. No, no, screw this. You know? <laughs> yeah. It could be like an angry moment where she like grabs it and like strangles it in her hand and crushes it. Oh, that'd be cool. I, I also really, really want a chance for our, our female lead. Wow. Wh how cool is it? We get a female lead. I would like her to have some really cool, brutal moments where she really just fucking like wrings something's neck and, you know, like just, just fucks shit up. You know, she's a bounty hunter. She's a badass. She kills things for money. Wild prediction. The Donnie Darko bunny in the background that's like the the cyborg thing is being controlled it's being controlled okay okay so so that's the thing they're hunting he's he's got control of all the rams in japan and um let's see probably wield some some type of ridiculously long sword i don't know maybe maybe he rides a motorcycle you know he, he's basically lance a lot he's, he's out there just you know with like a lance and he's just mowing people down like um dual style anytime we do sci-fi we can kind of expect for there to be a degree of combining of different cultures to create like a new culture. This is very commonplace in films like uh, Blade Runner is a, is a very common one. They're in America, but it's all kind of Japanese now. Asian infused America, sort of. The, the giant ladies <laughs> advertising like uh, care products in the middle of the night. With things like that, I wonder if that'll be something in this movie where maybe they'll sort of take a more American influenced thing and be like, well, there's bounty hunters. Does that mean there's cowboys? And then maybe some of the characters are sort of cowboy influenced that could be kind of cool there could be a lot of different like western influences on this otherwise very japanese very japanese the poster looks so anime you know what i mean <laughs> If I'm not wrong, I feel like there is an anime OVA somewhere in this franchise. I don't know if it's based off of the film or vice versa. I think that, that I think that's probably true. Looks like it. It's the kind of thing that animes like. I like the background. It looks sort of like a like blue flames. Like at first I thought it might have been space, but this is more like like there's flames coming from behind all this. That's where the blue is coming from. I think that would be cool. Like a mystical aspect to this, because you know we already have bounty hunters, aliens, robots. You know why not have like like a magical character who can summon blue flames. That'd be fun. Why not? Sounds anime to me. I would really like if this movie is less about like fighting a deadly cyborg and it's more about the treasuries of like being an entrepreneur. Someone's trying to like sustain like a some um, business, a struggling business. Uh, maybe the guy down the corner with like uh, the straw face, maybe he's not a cop. Maybe he's like, he's got just like a restaurant or maybe he's got like a clothing shop. And he's like, listen, I know you got to like hunt this thing but can you not wreck my store while you're doing it you know <laughs> 
and, and somehow like the fight's always just outside his store or something. That would be funny. Like the, the cabbages guy and Avatar. Ah, my cabbages! <laughs> yeah, what if, what if cabbage guy was integral to the plot? What if, uh, I, I was thinking maybe the name Zyram, I, I don't know. You could, you could get really tragic with this. Like maybe the main character's like grandfather died and his last words were Zyram. So she named her bounty hunting business Zyram after her grandfather's last words. But everybody's so confused about like, what is a, what is a Zyram? What does that do? I'm not going to hire your bounty hunting business because I don't understand what it, no. Your entrepreneurial endeavor is dead on arrival because you picked a dumb name. No, nobody knows like the backstory behind it or the reason why she picked that name and why it's significant to her and the whole movie is her just like trying to make her business legitimate even though people aren't on board with it because of its its name that doesn't make sense to them actually you know now i'm thinking about it when i was talking about like video store and like being stuck in there trying to like find movies and get to the end and Zyram companies are always trying to get like double a triple a at the beginning of their name to try and be at the beginning of the phone book this is like the most pitiful business because they're at they're at the end of the book so like no one's going that far unless maybe you start your phone book at the very beginning and like oh Zyram in general because it's the joke no one's even heard of this place because whenever they're shopping for I don't know a new pair of loafers they don't get as far as the Z's in the in the shoe shop catalog. It's why they named that one show Ah Real Monsters instead. Of exactly, exactly. Real Monsters is too far down the list. You need the app. What a good use of that, by the way. Like that's the one that I'll always forgive. I don't know. It's cool to put the ah sound effect. Like we know what that is. Someone screaming, right? But it also so serves that double purpose, you know. You know, I never thought about it that way. But yeah, they probably have beat out a lot of better cartoons by shooting to the top of list of that name although i do love arrow monsters um it's a good yeah it's a good show, great yeah. designs great designs i actually hope that there is like there are some arrow monsters in this one you know like you get like some weird looking monsters like just just is a guy's like you know shaped like a noodle you know like walking around it's like a black and white noodle with like the big red lips and the and the eyes and everything so yes yeah, someone holding their own eyes you know like the red guy that's like shaped like a triangle but also he's kind of fleshy oh my god yeah just just meat person you know sad you you know mutated meat person <laughs> that's a that's a good point a lot of these older japanese films with an anime-esque premise will sort of have a lot of really cool effects in them and a lot of really cool designed characters and monsters and set pieces and all, all these different things they really like maybe more so than any other factor in the filmmaking is we have to have cool effects and cool costumes and, and things like that i this is like one of the harder things to predict because whenever you see it it's usually something you've never seen before it's like it's like holy hell it could be anything yeah they've <laughs> just invented like this whole new thing and it's just wild to see it and and, and it's doing stuff and i don't know it's, it's cool it's fucking cool i want to see people just come up with random bullshit you know what i kind of want to see a zebra i feel like the letter z and also ram if you just put them together it's like what if there's like a zebra with like horns and <laughs> He just he just gallops on scene. He's got like a full voice actor like presence, you know, like not comedy, not even there as like donkey to help Shrek. No, nah, he's like integral to the plot. That's who this this mask in the back is. That's Zerum, the um the, the Han Solo behind Luke Skywalker and Zyram. I uh, I know this is a lot to ask of you, and it's kind of unprecedented. We've never really done this on the podcast, I don't think. But um, I like your character of like the alien zebra ram combination. That's that's also sort of 
of a sort of a sidekick helping out the the Luke Skywalker character. I think that's super cool. And you said you wanted him to talk. Can you do just just give me a line from this character? He's the I'll set the scene for you. Let me help you out. He's helping out our main lady, and he and he wants to let her know that there's some kind of danger. And so he says, "Look out!" And can I get it one time where it's dangerous and one time where it's like fun? Just saying the line, "Look out!" Look out as this character. You're the zebra ram plucky sidekick. Look out! That's a good one. Can we get can we get the the happier one where it's like not dangerous anymore, but they're just like playing in a field of butterflies and butterflies getting too close and he's like look out and it's fun <laughs> look out <laughs> i think i think that's a great rendition of the character the old, the old oh, look out and then the and then the oh, look out i think there's there's a lot of room here for fun and, and and good voice acting opportunities for somebody to come along and do a much better job than us but now you know how we would play the characters isn't that fun yeah so yes Zyram 2. I'm pumped. I'm ready to be wrong about everything. I'm ready to be wrong about nothing, damn it! <laughs> I've never been wrong a day in my life. I swear to God, I, I know that we have a lot of evidence to suggest that this will not happen, but I really feel like the Professor Chaos character, Hi Hiram to Zyram, might still be in the movie! <laughs> I mean, for all we know, that's Butters in there with a the hat. I mean, like, that could be him. That could still be him. I would also like for the movie to be entirely taken seriously. And then at the end, when, you know, she finally has the, the cyborg, like, dead to rights, the, the alien inside of it dead to rights, like, she's got it pinned against the wall. He just, like, Scooby-Doo villain style takes his mask off and is like, <laughs> just kidding, it's me, the, the guy who owned the soup restaurant from earlier. Oh, my God. I just wanted you to take your fighting away from my restaurant. God damn it. <laughs> I, I just wanted to make sure that you were committed to this this business opportunity of being a, a freelance bounty hunter. And and I tested you by hacking into this robot and fighting you with him. And then you had to chase me across town. And, and here I am. It's actually, this was all a farce. It was all just supposed to be silly fun. And what fun we've had. It's when your parents like give you like your first client, you know, your first, <laughs> I'll buy your first hot dog at this stand. You know, it's like, thanks. I appreciate yeah, yeah. it. No one else was showing up. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Dad, I don't want to work at the noodle store anymore. Did we just write Kung Fu Panda? Oh, I mean, is that what happens in Kung Fu Panda? He's like, he creates like a villain for him to fight. No, no, that would that would be so cool. But the the opening of Kung Fu Panda is Jack Black's uh, Poe character is uh, he doesn't want to work at the noodle shop that his dad yeah I remember that set up yeah. for him to to work at, and so he goes to become a kung fu master. And we're basically like the guy who runs the noodle shop is like, oh, you know, I'm cool with you being a bounty hunter and all, just don't fight people in front of my my restaurant. And then later he's like, I was your first customer. I'm helping you out, but also maybe see how he easy it was to get away from the noodle shop for this fight just do that all the time <laughs> exactly St stay out of the market <laughs> just come on come on it's it's that i understand the rent is lower out here but that doesn't mean you have to fight people right outside your own business that doesn't make any sense please sir this is a wendy's <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. Well, it's coming up to be about that time. Do you have any last-minute things you want to say other than that you're expecting this movie to be Kung Fu Panda? You know what? I actually don't expect there to be any animals in this film at all. Even with the mask, really, I expect this to be straight across the board, sci-fi, cyberpunk, grungy, B-movie, but quality, quality manga adaptation. You know, like, they're doing their best, but probably, like, the producers are like, alright, we, we need more fight scenes, less plot, more fight scenes less plot and uh probably like a thinly veiled romance i think that the the thinly veiled romance is probably a safe uh bet but i'm really hoping against it and i think that this is the type of movie that can do it that can get away with not having any romance aspect to it although i wouldn't mind if there was 
some kind of an implied relationship between our lead lead actress and the robot specifically. Like the robot is an ambiguous character. We don't know just how human it is, you know, like how far along technology is. Like, is it normal to be in love with a robot? Question mark. But I would like to see that as like a plot point of like, I didn't realize how much he meant to me. And it's it's like ambiguous. She's not saying I'm in love with this robot, uh-huh. but it's like kind of there if you're like reading between the lines here. You know what I mean? Okay. It's just more of like a rescue mission than it is even like a bounty hunting you know it's like i'm trying to get them back so yeah all right well hey we'll go ahead and call it here and we'll go out and, and get to the movie and, and an audience you should too you know go watch the movie it's out there you can find it it will not only improve your life but improve listening to this stupid shitty podcast you'll actually have context now to all the other stuff we say about it Woo! change your day by watching Zyram 2 you know you'll be a different person they could have named it Zyram 2 electric boogaloo and i'm not saying it would make it any better or any worse but or Zyram 2 lost in New York. Yeah. <laughs> Zyram 2, two Zyrams. Come on. <laughs> two Zy, two Rams. <laughs> Zyram 2, the Zyramining. Uh. Zyram 2, end of Zyram. Come on. There's like a million different. Zyram 2, attack of the clones. <laughs> Zyram 2, Zyram strikes back. Zyram 2, the wrath of Zy. <laughs> Zyram 2, Return of Ram. Zyram into darkness. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Quit fooling around. Let's get into the two, the Zyram 2. Sweet. say anything i just want to go ahead and make it very very clear of all the episodes of see for yourself that we've ever done this might be the most important one for you to just stop yourself right now if you're one of those people that doesn't watch the movie and just listens to us yak 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 about it stop go watch the movie (laughs) this is the one and i'm not saying that because i think that this movie is highly susceptible to spoilers or anything like that i don't really have a good concept for spoilers if you tell me exactly what happens in a movie i'm still gonna go see it so i don't really get that whole thing it's just do this don't do it for yourself do it for me do it for good old see for yourself himself whatever my name for what was my name for this one it's uh more more trouble than i'm worth do it for more trouble than i'm worth yeah do it for trouble guys yeah with that said and hopefully everybody took the time to go and now watch the movie pause the pocket go watch the movie come back we'll give you five whole seconds Good job. I'm so I'm so grateful for you. Wow. You did it, champ. You did you it. Totally watched it. High fives all around. Yeah. yeah. Slap, 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 slap. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Everybody did it. You're all you're you know what? LD uh, again this time. Go ahead and put it in order for biggest cock in the world award. We're gonna go ahead and s- ship it out in the mail to you for going and watching the movie. You you've earned it, buddy. You've earned it. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember if the first one was as ridiculous as this one, but this one was pretty ridiculous and I still loved it. I feel like I should be as transparent as possible here. My judgments for this film are not fair. (laughs) I realize as I'm watching this movie that I love it more than I really should. Yeah. It is by no means a perfect film, but in my heart, in my heart, it is absolutely a perfect film. I would change nothing about this. What more could you want? (laughs) 
What more could you want? It's every everything I want. Okay, let's just dive into the actual specifics here because I know that uh, that's a, a thing. Do you remember Kamiya? Kind of right at the beginning of the movie. Kamiya's at the like uh, the camera stand and he's looking at different cameras and they make that joke about the, the guy's like, all right, but don't, you know, refuse to read the manual and then tell me it's broken when you just don't oh understand. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That joke's hilarious. Very, very funny. Yeah. But then for no fucking reason, like out of nowhere, he's just like looking at a lady walking down the street and he like focuses in on her feet. Well, He's, he's checking out those gams. He's like, yep, yep, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and, and and he notices the feet and he zooms in on him and he asks. Oh, that's right, because he's trying to get... Um... Well, we don't know that at the time. We just think he's a pervert. Yeah, that's that's initially what I thought, too. Because it's, it's like from the thigh on down. And so I'm like, okay, sir. Uh, but he's, he's trying to figure out what to get... His wife. Yeah, he's trying to figure out what to get his wife. And he doesn't know his wife's size, but he knows that his friend, his fiance, has the same size shoe. So it's like, what's, what's your fiance's or sides because i can't be bothered to learn <laughs> Uh, uh, Tepe is his, his Tepe, friend. Yeah, Tepe is about to get married, and neither one of them know their spouse's um, shoe size. Very true to real life. I don't even know mine, man. <laughs> I gotta look every time. But in that scene where, like, we're just supposed to think that Kamiya is like a pervert who's into feet, I guess because of a lot of this explanation, this metaphor doesn't work very well. But that's how I feel about this movie. The way he feels about feet or the way we're supposed to think he feels about feet. That's the way I feel about this movie. There's a perfectly beautiful woman on top of those feet. He ain't looking at that. He's looking at the feet. There's a perfectly better film out there I could be watching. I don't care about that. I want to watch this movie again. This movie is shoes, is what we're saying. Yeah, Zayram 2, The Shoes. It's basically like all like the sci-fi, PlayStation 1, video games, special effects, monster effects stuff that I feel like any teenager is obsessed with. Well, you, you brought it up before we started the film, the Rita Repulsa Power Rangers thing. This is very Power Rangers, oh, you know? Oh my god. Go-go Power Rangers indeed. Yeah, it's that same kind of style, you know? The the sparks flying out of the guy whenever the sword hits him. Yeah, the, the karate fights, you know? know someone deflects a missile and it like hits the building behind her i fucking love that whole shot i was like yes we kind of jumped the gun here the opening opening scene shows it is either a robot it looks like the mars rover I think it's supposed to be the Zerum robot. Oh, okay. So this is like, so the Zerum, like the, the robot, there's the robot and there's the Zerum inside it. Yes. And like the robot itself is supposed to be like backup. You know, you've got all these bounty hunters and this robot is like around to sort of help them out. And it looks like a, like a Mars rover. It looks pretty low grade, but you can see it from its POV, the whole determining threats and stuff. Yeah. So the, the Mars rover thing, I think that was supposed to be part of the like mercenary guys that it's gunning down's equipment mm -hmm. he's like a separate because we don't get to see the cyborg that the zayram takes over in this scene you kind of see like the outline of him or the like shadow of him or something like that you get to uh, see like his hand in one bit oh that's right that's right you're right it's all done from his pov or like just over his shoulder basically which is super cool way of establishing like oh hey there's a mysterious character that's killing all these guys that are also mysterious and we don't understand them but they're kind of just just like the gray putty goon guys, you know? Yeah. And they've got this uh weird like vibrating alien speak. Oh, I thought I thought 
thought that was so cool. I love yeah. that because they could have just had no lines. They could have just had it in, a, you know, a different language like German or something that people are less likely to know. Or just like beeps, you know, like it just beeped it or they could have had anything. And they came up with this like this funky kind of like kind of noises. It's so cool. That opening scene is so high effort. It shows us all these cool gadgets it has. It shows us like it implies the look of the cyborg there's moments when it's going down like a menu screen and it very much feels like like a like an old star rpg where you're like switching to different weapons you know yeah yeah like it, like it goes down the menu and selects one and then and then that drops another menu down and then it selects one out of that menu so cool feels very video game like environment and it sets it sets in mind since the majority of this film is on earth it sets you in mind that like this is coming from space and now we're going to go to like the battlefield which is on earth that just such high momentum so cool so interesting and then it goes to like Kamiya trying to buy this like video camera or whatever it loses a little momentum but it's still funny and like hey we got our shop front yeah I, I, I don't know I, I still liked it it didn't lose a lot for me but basically then they go into this fight with these three mercenary characters or alien guys or whatever they are they're total like Mortal Kombat villains like like you know, it's almost like you can see them being selected from like the enemy screen ping 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 and they got like the collars up to like the nose you know and they're like custom weapons it's it's i love it the amount of effort put into the costumes and stuff in this just over the top man just so cool and none of the weapons are like actual weapons they're like versions of one so you see like a version of a crossbow you see like a version of a of like an old style like pistol and a shotgun but they all have like some type of modification to make it more alien like and i think at one point zaram actually grabs someone's gun and it sort of like zombifies out it goes from a normal gun to like all just sort of like part of his arm yeah it does that with that uh the pole at the end too like it goes from being just like a regular piece of like metal rebar or something that he that he found and then it becomes this cool like halberd or spear kind of thing you know with like a hook at the end it's really cool it's very creative very creative we get the fight between those guys and that's that's pretty cool it's a fun little fight it's got that like very power rangers this is the part before we fight the monster we get to do some actual kung fu kind of thing and then every part after that until the best shot in cinema history the momentum just drops to the floor which is sad but it's reasonable because it sort of builds up the character and it's not as bad as i remember i just remember thinking like she gets to the shrine or whatever that they're going to yeah they call the cannon tower or the cannon statue yeah and they've got the dog that shows up and i'm like that's cute that there's a dog and that like humanizes the character a little bit more to have the dog around and it's you know that's nice but it's still kind of boring and you know we're just kind of waiting for something to happen this is sort of a dull moment in the in the script and then the bad guys show up out of nowhere and they're like ha ha we got ya yeah i want to point out really quick just how it must have been an incredibly difficult ask for Fujikuro to basically play either Tepe or Kamiya's character, but like it has to be different. He fills the same niche as Kamiya and Tepe effectively, where it's like you're supposed to be like a lovable goon, but the bad guy version of a lovable goon. I don't know if they like told him that's what he had to do or if that's how he interpreted the character or like what's going on here, but like he's like the devilish goon character, you know, the backstabbing goon. 
goon dialed up to 11 because he really did have to separate himself from Kamiya and Tepe. And without Fujikuro, Tepe and Kamiya seem ridiculous. But because we spend so much time early on with Fujikuro, they seem like much more relatable characters. At least for me as a person who doesn't know these characters, my first time witnessing them, they seem a lot more toned down, even though they're kind of acting over the top because Fujikuro is to the moon. You know, he's he's insane acting, you know? Yeah, he's, I mean, he's clearly there to be like that desperate criminal that you can't, you can't like take your eyes off him because he's going to like steal the shirt off your back. God, I love the scene where he realizes there's like a force field in place or whatever. He's just pantomiming it, you know, like, and the and the, the Foley artist or whoever did a great job with the uh, the sound effect whenever he like knocks on the thing and it makes the, the wooden knocking sound. It's very funny. I loved his acting in that bit. That was like the first time I'd ever like heard like a force field sound like wood. It's almost always like some kind of like, electronic, you know, or some kind of like a bouncy sound like zoom or something. I feel like we got to warn people there is a dog death in this movie. It inexplicably a dog finds Iria and like runs over to like get next to her. And then later on when the robot turns into Zerum and he's all like crazy, he like fully submerges the little snake creature into its body and later on spawns like this devil dog creature which i guess is like i don't know maybe like fuses dna or something i think that the dog in its initial scene where it just walks up to area and sort of says hello to her and she sort of pets it and it's like a nice little heartwarming moment that is great world building it makes it feel like a real place where people live and there are stray dogs who just walk up and and greet you and they're nice and friendly because they're expecting you to hand them some food or something and i think think that to have the dog die at least for me i don't i don't love a dog die scene it's not my favorite and a lot of people really really hate them and i get that but for me i think that it does a really good job of letting us know not only is this like a cyborg gone like haywire you know it's it's not just like an unfeeling creature that's just uh, oh no there's a malfunction we gotta fix it it is like an ethical threat as well like it is not just that what a what a harmless mistake this is it's evil i mean it, it becomes irredeemable at that moment whatever happens we have to make sure this thing gets it's put down so no more doggies die. Besides the dog, there are no casualties with the exception of like the more Power Ranger bad guys that show up later on. <laughs> well, we call her uh, from from uh Repulsa, like Rita Repulsa, Rita Repulsa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when Rita Repulsa is is coming back for like the second round, he's like, it's not just three of us this time, and he calls down like fifty like Mad Max villains, all of them with like their different look. The best scene in cinema history for me. For me, I'm not here to adjudicate on like objectivity. It's just how I feel. Oh my god, so perfect. Everything, every single shot with all those different goons, and they're all there. These crazy costumes, these crazy design props, and everything. Mm. Oh, chef's kiss. It looks like one of them's holding a baby at one point. Like, it was blinking and you miss it. I don't know what was going on, but like... There was one that's just like a guy in a gas mask with like a mace. Like, he's got like a flail. <laughs> that, that's why I said it like gave me like real big Mad Max vibes. And, and what does Iria do? She Mary Poppins the fuck away. <laughs> I loved everything about the scene was made for me because she's like, hey, things are getting kind of bad, Bob. Also, the name of her like guy in the chair is just Bob. I love that. Yeah, and it's a computer. Yeah, everybody else has like a kind of a sci-fi name, but Bob is just Bob. <laughs> 
yeah we got pretty much like your traditional japanese names i don't think bob was translated i think it's literally just supposed to be the computer name bob you know it um it works I, I think it might also be like an acronym or something oh for sure like we didn't see it on there but when i heard her call like the computer bob i'm like let me guess b period o period b period got it <laughs> yeah but so she like calls up bob and she's like oh things are pretty bad get me out of here and he's like unable to contact her back because you know he's damaged at the time oh yeah fujikuro like the moment she zooms away He's like, ho oh, ho, she's gone. Treasure's here. Ho oh, ho ho. I'm a blast this transporter. I love that. I love uh, villains who don't like take the time to think. Well, I should check and make sure the treasure's really here before I go blasting anything. You know, before I go fully explaining my plan to the sidekick character. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. After the, the cyborg comes down and, and gives her assistance, we don't know why the cyborg does this, by the way, because at the time, Bob doesn't say like, oh, the, the cyborg's a threat right now. It, it seems like Bob believes at that time the cyborg is not a threat. And then once she goes her separate ways from the cyborg to like go investigate something or to, to check out the Tepe situation, he's like, oh, look out, the cyborg is a threat. So here's the way, here's the way I saw it. She's surrounded by like 50 of these Power Ranger villains. It's clear that she's not going to make it. She's probably going to die. And so Bob's like, well, emergency is emergency. I'm sending you your backup. The backup comes down, does his absolute worst, which means not just beating these guys up, but fully murdering all of them. And she's like, that's too far. And she punches him in the chest. And there's like this little thing, like this little, I don't know, you get to see how he's built in the opening credits. And there's like this metal thing in the middle of the chest, which is covering a face. And she breaks that when she punches him as like retribution. And then later on, the Rita Repulsa guy, he's like going going to stab him and he vomits yeah. like like a delayed reaction death you know thing like in the samurai movies yeah <laughs> like he was dead he didn't know it he spits blood right when he's about to land a killing blow and at that point the blood covers the guy's chest including like this uncovered like little alien face and i feel like that face laps up that blood and then bam dracula's reborn inside this robot yeah it just it i like the mystery of it i like not knowing i think that's a perfectly great way to tell this type of character this type of story but it does leave some degree of like yeah it just seems to sort of happen and yes there are those shots that sort of explain that visually but we don't really know like i i guess maybe that's explained in the first movie what what the uh uh zayrams are i don't know i don't i don't remember much about it i do remember that eerie was there and that she had some human sidekicks and I'm assuming that these two are the human sidekicks. Basically wherever she goes, crazy shit happens and then some people, I guess are like, get wrapped up into it you know, and she mostly ends up spending the time keeping them from dying. But I, I did really, really love that she was upset that uh, the cyborg killed all of those people. They didn't have to do that. They didn't have to include like a, hey, that was too far. You didn't need to slaughter these people. She specifically says that's mass murder. And you don't get that kind of accountability in scenes like this ever. Well, like the, the villain she fights, uh, including Fujikuro, you know, who's like constantly betraying her, leaving her for dead, leaving her friends for dead. Her idea of justice is stopping him and then like also saving his life in the end she's not the one that like captures him it's bob who does that and only because like he's threatened like this whole planet like several times at this point but yeah like like like, like justice for justice for iria is is not like straight up murder all the bad guys she fights they just they're lying down passed out i assume yeah and i i appreciate that kind of tact in creating a hero because out of all the heroes we've seen on see for yourself i think iria is the most heroic which is weird because she's not a terribly likable hero she is like the clint eastwood of heroes that we've gotten you know she's that stone face 
almost good natured to a fault. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. there's some stuff that happens around her where it's like, man, you don't have to be nice to this guy. Oh, I think that's like, that's what happens when you go too far into the like lawful good alignment chart, right? Like, you're just so good that you're like, I mean, he tried to steal from me, but theft is really a problem of the times that we live in and not a moral failing of the individual. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's there's, there's no murder for property in this, um, this space hero heroine. She's like, I'm not going to punish him because he's on hard times. That's not fair. Wow. What a enlightened way of looking at that area. Way to go on arriving to that conclusion. I admire that. It's good to have heroes that have different opinions on these things, you know, uh, and it's it's good to see someone who's like radically on the uh, the forgiving side of this, you know. And uh, on the topic of heroes, I wouldn't call Tepe or Kamiya heroes, but Kamiya has his own little moment towards the end. Yes, the oh, it's so good. He's called in because Tepe has got his foot on like a mine and an area is got like her hand through a hole holding like this missile while like a trash compactor is about to get her and they're like Camille you're the only person who can save us and he shows up after doing this dramatic suit up thing like Iron Man uh, which includes him pulling his socks up pulling his zipper up and like flashing like a lucky uh, good luck charm I just want to point out what a great description, but they don't ask Kamiya to come and help. He takes it upon himself and Bob says, this isn't your problem. We'll figure it out. And Kamiya's like, no, come on, just tell me what I need to do and I'll go do it. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Kamiya is like a blue collar working regular guy who is willing to put in the work. Yeah. Kamiya really steps up. And I think that that's shown in his like big hero moment because he really is. He's in the, uh, the electronic store uniform, you know, from the, the car it had the like Takahashi's electronics and he's got the the uniform on just like uh, Tepe has on. He shows up, you know, with his gear and everything. He looks like a Ghostbuster. He's a working class man who knows what he needs to do. And I love that everything falls apart once like one thing goes wrong. Oh no, <laughs> the, the canister opened up and the, the missile got out, the little Hornet missile thing. Fucking book it, cheese it, run! <laughs> A lot of this movie is, oh, we think we got him. Everything's fine. But I kept looking at time. I'm like, it's been 40 minutes. Nah, nah. Like, something's about to go wrong. Because you've got, like, this robot, which then is, like, possessed by, like, this alien, this, I guess, component. And then after, like, um, Iria, like, stabs it through the head, it sort of, like, wriggles out of his, out of his body and, like, bites the sword and pulls it out. Oh, like. God. And it's got this weird sort of dragon snake with sort of like a, what would you call that voice? It's not like a baby sometimes. It sounds like a horse. Like It's like a screeching kind of sound, but it also sounds like a, almost like an innocent noise that's also very animalistic. God, it's creepy. It's super creepy. Mm, absolutely. I love that about it. I wish every time we got a close-up of the little head, the, the Zayram, I'm just going to call it a Zayram. I, I'm yeah. assuming that's, they, they called it that a couple times. Every time we got a close-up of it, those were precious moments for me. It's just so creepy and so scary to look at and i wanted more of that i wanted because the the cyborg doesn't really have a facial expression until it gets like half blown up and then it has a little bit more of a facial identity because it's like bleeding out of half of its face and that's like we feel empathetic towards that or at least i do i'm like oh this thing's bleeding it's like a person basically it could have been motor oil for all i know but like it looked like blood so i'm like oh it's it's really hurt it's got like the full bat suit on in that everything's a gadget Mm -hmm. everything on his body either like shoots out or protrudes or like morphs into something it's got bat wings it has full-on like veiny like a bat bat wings with like a rocket underneath 
Oh my god. The one aspect of the design I didn't like was that the... I, I love how it's kind of like a PlayStation final boss where it's like, oh, the boss is impervious to all of my attacks. Where should I... What do I do? Oh, it's got these big yellow orbs on its body. Maybe I should shoot those. Yep, you figured out our boss design here. <laughs> the one part of its body that's like a different color is the part that you should be aiming for. Ha ha ha. It has to have some kind of weakness. This thing is ridiculous. I think it's intuitive to like make it that way it makes it easy for the audience to be like okay i get it that's the weak the weak point i get it that's not the problem i have my problem yeah. is there's specifically like two of the weak points it's like in like a triangle pattern basically but they're like spheres at the end of the triangles like edges two of them are like specifically in the nipple area yeah at one point it shoots into somebody to push them off it's like my erect nipples repel you <laughs> yeah that's the issue i have Ugh. if they had just left them on the nipple area that's fine <laughs> makes sense but the fact that they push outward on people and it's like they push with force too they're not just like get away from, i can do a push-up with my nipples like that's not it's i can crush a fucking <laughs> i could crush someone's skull with these things you could drive nails into a wall with these nipples <laughs> yeah yeah holy uh, shit and honestly i don't even like that's the thing any criticism i have of this film recognize that what i mean is i noticed that it was a little odd and i loved it <laughs> Yeah. So like this weird baby face dragon neck thing, at one point it spits up what looks like a snail sh shell and that's like the dog DNA and it like ultra grows into this. I, when we were talking about our real monsters, I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is our real monster. And it's fully like this dog face meat monster thing that looks so gross and really only shows up at the very end to terrorize our humans and then get kicked off the tower. It's one of those things where I think so much of the budget went into making the cyborg look cool. It looks cool. Mission accomplished. It looks fucking great. It's flying through the air on bat wings. That should look dumb as hell, but it looks pretty cool. So money well spent is what I'm saying here. I think that they were like, all right, we can get this dog suit in. It's not going to look as good or as cool as the cyborg, but we do want like another, if we can fit another one in, you know, and it was kind Kind of like all of the the 50 dudes who showed up and they're all like power rangers villains you know kind of like that you know where they wanted to have it in there but but not for too long you know because we don't we don't really have the money to like really have it in the movie for a long period of time you know and i think that's what it was they wanted to have it they wanted to bring the dog back and they did and i think it's cool i think it's a cute little thing where it's like oh the, the alien can strike out like that was the cool thing about having the zayram kill the dog was that we'd never seen the zayram do anything other than look sinister at that point so to see it jump out like that that is genuinely shocking. My jaw dropped. I was like, what? He can do that? That was the first moment where I was like, I am terrified of this thing. There's an awesome scene where Iria is getting hit with like all these missiles and she roundhouse kicks this missile and it, you could fully see it heading toward like the building behind her and it explodes. And of course, like a baller, she does not turn around. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. Oh my God. There's so many good little moments like that. The, the movie doesn't waste any time. Like God, Iria's like falling because the they had the cool moment. We should have predicted this. This is like an easy prediction. The cyborg grabs onto her leg as she's falling off of a ledge and like, oh no, so she lets go and starts falling with it as she's about to hit the ground she just does like a she does like a sailor moon transformation back to her regular clothes from like her combat suit oh yeah as she does it she slowly gracefully descends to the ground in my head like as i'm explaining it out loud i'm like this sounds kind of stupid but when you're watching the movie you're like yes that is exactly how that works makes perfect sense go on queen yeah she's got like this power suit which like she's got her own like ninja skills and sort of like adds to it at one point like they're powered down and that's when she 
needs help, but I guess later on she gets her power back. Let's just talk about, like, I think she has four costumes in the movie, which is a very conservative number for a, a woman lead, right? Like, a lot of times when we have a woman leading a film, it's, oh, and we're going to dress her up like a Barbie in 19 different costumes for no reason. Yeah, I mean, she's got, like, she's got, like, her regular crime fighter wear, and she has her combat, which is, like, what we see in the poster, and then she's got, like, the tank top look for when, like, you know, last person standing. She also has that black, like, kind of leather thing. She transforms into it immediately after the Sailor Moon thing. I think that's still, like, her mission outfit, but it's, like, the powered-down version of it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I love her, like, original getup, the, like, big red, like, cloak thing that she's wearing. Oh, that's right, that's right, yeah, well, like, when she's introduced, like, lightning shoots down, and it's very, um, it's very Mortal Kombat, like, very, like, um, Big Trouble Little China, and she descends, and, um, and the Rita Repulsa's, like, you know, thinking, I can sell this black market technology to you, and it's like, nope, nope, it's space cops, you're arrested. I think they do call her an investigator at one point, which is an interesting way to describe someone who's, who's basically like the Punisher, right? Like, she's, yeah. <laughs> she's investigating, I guess. She's here to confiscate this thing, the the karma right. And you get the idea from, from Fuji that, you know, we could just sell this on the black market and we'd be rich and we'd never have to work a day in our lives. Like, yeah, but then you'd be a fugitive for the rest of your life. So she's definitely on the side of the law because she's a bounty hunter. She's not like official police. She's doing this as a job. I love her character and the way that it's handled and I love those aspects of her where she's like, you know, I'm I'm a law-abiding person. I'm going to fight these people to get this like rare item off of them that they're not supposed to have and I, I'm going to advise Fuji not to break the law because he'll be a fugitive which like Fuji, fugitive, I don't know, kind of funny. Yeah. But she also is really like forgiving of Fuji it feels like. I, I don't know why in my head I'm like, yeah, she just kind of lets that guy off the hook a lot. I think it's just because she's not a cop. Like she's literally there just for this one thing and at the end of the day if everyone's alive cool you know she doesn't have to she's not intending on bringing him in the only reason he gets you know uh, arrested in space jail by bob is because like at this point he's putting all these lives at risk because he keeps trying to go after it and, and it has nothing to do with what iria wants like she doesn't tell bob to lock him up he just doesn't mm -hmm. yeah yeah this is, this is bob being like okay you are making it really hard for us to complete this mission sir i did like how bob he's he's just like a computer robot guy right like he's not he doesn't even have a robot body he's just a computer program and he still has kind of something of a personality they, they could have done more with it i think and i would like that i would like more personality from bob but it was more than it really should have been in most cases he's no data he's he's clearly like he's he's the, the he's the computer with the personality it's like it's good to see you guys like uh tepe and Camilla also apparently know him from like the previous movie he's like hey i missed you you know like remember when he cries out to Camilla, like like fuji like had shot him up and, and Kamiya comes across like bob's dying computer system question mark and he says Kamiya, and i'm like oh damn bob i feel for you my guy like yeah. you're struggling out here <laughs> You know what? It was a really smart thing to have like an electromechanic there as part of this, you know, crack team of bounty hunters. Like Camilla, he comes through in a clutch. I'm not sure what Tepe's supposed to be other than like this innocent. He he's just there to run after because oh, he's like at some shop looking for a wedding gift or something. He spots Iria across uh, the street, bolts out of there and goes running. I've gotta go buy cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, I've gotta go buy some cigarettes. Oh. 
I loved uh, that they have just a purely platonic friendship between the three of them. Yeah, like there's no point at which I'm like worried that they're going to make this awkward. That's going to be like some weird hitting on you thing. I, w- I was worried at one point. It's just with Fuji, I feel like. No, no. It was a scene between Kamiya, Tepe, and Iria. They had just captured the little missile hornet thing. She's like, okay, uh, I got out. I'm, I'm fine. I'm going to go over to the other side. You guys meet me there or whatever. And Kamiya's like, wait, come back. Can you still put your hand through? And she's like, yeah, for like one second, I thought he was going to like reach down and kiss her hand or something like that. There was that tension there. He just throws that good luck charm. He's like, I brought this good luck charm for you. And then they throw their hands on top of each other. Oh, so again, fucking chef. wholesome. So like, good. holy shit. This is this is something you could actually show for kids in the Power Rangers slot, you know? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I was, this is a fun for all ages movie. I really appreciate that. And then they ended the like the climax on that shot. Oh, we got to teleport out of here before the bad cgi eats us alive and i love again <laughs> it's bad cgi but i love it <laughs> i love like, like when the tower is getting eaten from like the bottom by like you know the zone yeah. i love that like oh good this is the only kind of like cgi i want to see for something this like cyber you know but they they do they end that they sort of put the pin in the ending of this on that same sort of like my hand over his hand his hand over mine that like oh yeah it's like an it's like a, they make a y basically with their hands on top of each other's yeah yeah and they make a flux beautiful. capacitor yeah <laughs> and when they escape from like the zone bob is like oh no i've only got one more power circuit left and i don't know which one it's gonna go to you two have to make the choice is it gonna be area or is it gonna be zero there's no clear way of knowing <laughs> there's a lot of times in movies where they kind of just try to like get a couple more minutes of screen time and i'm like oh uh, yeah ah come on you fucking just call it a call it a day here guys <laughs> this is another this is not one of those no this is a perfect addition to the film it gives every character that we've grown attached to over the course of this film something really big to do yes amazing see yeah because up at this point i don't feel like tepe's done much kamiya had his like one hero moment but this gives them a both a chance to really to pay back area for saving their asses over and over again you know it's like the best version of the trolley problem that i've ever seen someone come up with like a variation for the trolley problem this is like the ultimate trolley problem really right. which lever i don't know and i still don't know how they decided which one was the right one but they both have that instinct and bob's like yeah she always said humans have amazing instincts i'm leaving this choice to you because i'm just a computer as an audience in these kinds of situations it's very easy to be like okay but they're gonna pick the right one there's no way they're gonna end on sure <laughs> but they don't like they, they they pick the right one and and bob is like you pick the right one and it's like yep i'm rolling my eyes preemptively because like, but but, but zero still shows up you yes. know zero still like i don't give a fuck i'm still coming through what a, what a spooky scene too so good this is this is where all the cgi budget went it went right into this scene <laughs> They, they put everything they, they thought they could possibly put into this one little image of like the snakes and the dragons and the dogs and the robot face just all swirling and shit. Yeah, it looks great. <laughs> there are some great comedy moments in this movie um, when they're when they're out of breath from running all the way to this tower. It's like, yeah, we just got to get to the top 33 floors. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. He, Tepe's like, well, you know, you, you're still very healthy for a 55 year old guy. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? I'm not a day over 30. <laughs> 
Oh my god. All of the like one-on-ones between Tepe and Kamiya are some of the best like wholesome friend moments ever written. Yeah. And Iria has like just the best timing. It's like, you guys certainly are having fun. It's like, yeah, yeah. And um the solid 10 minutes of them laughing after it's all over, just yeah. you feel that relief. You're there with them feeling that relief of i can't believe we survived that that was stupid holy shit we're alive i like the physical acting in those moments tepe is like falling over this the ledge it's not a ledge it's like a it's like a railing he's like sort of like leaning over against it because he's that tired the other guy's like sort of crouching a little bit slapping his knees with his hands and like just laughing because it's it's all they've got. I think either it was the, the makeup people or, or what, I don't know. But Tepe kind of looks like he's crying and laughing, where Kamiya kind of more looks like he's just laughing. And I think it works for their characters. Like, Te- Tepe seems like the more sensitive type, and Kamiya seems like the, oh, I'd, I'd never let someone see me cry type. It's great, because they have they have this very real down-to-earthness. This is their second big adventure of their lives. We're just watching part two, but in the first one, they have their own other adventure. It's sort of like a Doctor Who thing, where, like, Iria is clearly the superhero and they're there along for the ride but they also have these critical moments where it's important that they're at that moment otherwise everything falls apart but you still see them they're just everyday guys like i can't believe we made it through this i'm getting married tomorrow they have that whole thing where like he's talking about how he's going to see his his son's recital yeah and it's like oh your your wife forgave you it's like well she's not quite there yet but you know we're getting close so much history you know this big data dump of history all at once but it feels really good like he's like i was gonna to tell you this after this whole thing but yeah. the real reason is i've got a piano recital to go to and my wife actually invited me so hopefully things will work out you know oh it's their anniversary yeah it's their anniversary and so they oh how heartwarming is that too like actually you're getting married on the same day i got married years ago next year we can celebrate together you know this movie does a great job of setting stakes we know that the cyborg is very dangerous because it just killed like 50 of these guys and like had no problem with it whatsoever so when the fight breaks out between iria and the cyborg we're like this is serious and the same thing is true for that final fight scene. The stakes are set. Not only do we know that the cyborg is dangerous, but now we know Kamiya and Tepe, they're not only good friends, but they've got plans with each other in the future. If anything goes wrong in this fight, we won't get to see the cool scene where they, next year, they're celebrating anniversaries together. So it's a, it's a lot. It's It adds to the tension in a really meaningful way. If you looked at the beginning of this movie with like the PlayStation 1 3D modeling design of the robot, all the pieces coming together, it looks so much like like, oh, this is going to be just a brainless sort of video game action sci-fi slash joint. But I really, I felt connected to these characters, even though it was a, such a small cast. Great emotional investment. And it, it feels like realistic dialogue. We watched the, the English dubbing for it. I'm sure the Japanese dub does a great job. And then the, the English subtitles are probably even better than the English dubbing. Usually in English dubbing, it's kind of hard to connect with the characters, like the translation issues. And then the performance doesn't exactly match up with what's being said i didn't feel any of that i felt so invested the entire time the dialogue was so realistic it felt very well performed by the english voice actors i'm probably gonna go and re-watch this movie maybe even this week with the, the japanese dub and the english sub it's just that good it really is a powerful film and it's so much fun the whole time too it was also just a relief just to have something that felt less you know grody like i there were several moments where i was like oh man there's not gonna be any like weird going on. In Japanese films, we do get a lot of that, huh? This was very PG, and I feel like it was intended to be something that you could take your kids to. It, 
it was at least something that I feel like was probably marketed along with all these cool... I, I assume there have to be action figures for this movie. There are too many cool designs not to have your own Zayram action figure or your own Iria action figure. Um, even like Fujikuro and like the Power Ranger villains. You know that uh, Kamiya and Tepe come in like a dual pack where you get both of the figures in one, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kamiya's got like a little toolbox, you know? And, uh, mm -hmm. and I don't know what Tepe is holding. Tepe is probably... I would love it if it's just the figures are straight up from the damsel in distress scene where Tepe is like tied up like that. And then it's <laughs> Kamiya like showing up in that cool stance and he's got his Gatling gun and he's got the container with the little Hornet bug missile thing. And he yeah. just looks super victorious. And then you take him out and you can kind of like, you know, stage him around and stuff. Uh, I don't know if parents would feel the same way about it because it kind of looks like it's a dude saving another dude, which it was. And that's the beauty of the scene is the damsel in distress is Tepe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was that was ninety four, right? Yeah, awesome. I don't know how like this movie came out, and it didn't just become the standard from now on. We have <laughs> girls are the heroes. The guys are these kind of bumbling idiots who like find a way to make it through, but are ultimately saved by the girl. They have this like loving friendship that like helps them get through tough times and reconnects. You know, at the end, even if at the beginning it seemed like one guy was kind of being a rude dude, he was actually thinking about his own problems, and that's that's not a bad thing. It's okay to have your own stuff. You got to focus on some things get put to the wayside because of that. It's not because you don't want to be there for your friend on his wedding day it's because you'd like to fix your own marriage <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to like look up what all is in this franchise. So there is an OVA, six episodes. Holy shit. Came out the same year as the movie. So it came out in 94 and it was released, I think after the film is when it was released, which is hard to say exactly like which came first, the chicken or the egg. I think it's film and then OVA. I'm trying to see if there was the same production company, but I think they were separate because we've got just Zerum production committee. Okay, so it was, it was made for the film, like so many other films. And then Ashi Productions did the OVA. Apparently the first film had like mixed reviews, which I haven't seen the first film, so I don't know if it's as wonderful as this movie is, because there are so many things about this movie that push it just over the top. The, the beautiful friendships between all the characters, the wacky over the top acting of like one guy to sort of highlight how these other guys aren't acting all that wacky. There's so many little things that just take it to the moon. So I don't know if the first film had all those little things, but I feel like if this movie came out and any critical critique was written on it, or I feel like they would have to admit while this this isn't, I don't know, like a triple A blockbuster type situation here. The total is worth more than the sum of the parts, you know, like it it has so much good synergy and so many big cool moments. Yeah, and it looks like uh, the director for Zerum and Zerum 2 also did the Common Rider films. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, he's just fully versed in like special effects and like superhero type fare. Common Rider is a huge, that's that's gigantic to get to direct a Common Rider film. Yeah, and it looks like he's done two of them. I think I saw some Somewhere that the first Zeram movie was his second film he'd ever done. Okay. I could be wrong about that. Yeah, it looks correct. I haven't seen a lot of these movies, uh, just Zeram and now Zeram 2, but I definitely want to see more of his stuff. I kind of want to see more from these actors too, because they all seem like really in touch with their characters. Like even the guy who's playing Fujikuro, he walks that thin line between like, you know, lovable scamp and really dangerous maniac. But um, I'm definitely watching that OVA this week. And it looks like there's like it looks like in the anime there's like there's Iria, there's bob there's fujikuro and there's zerum both of the human characters are are not in that but it's supposed to be like a prequel so that would make sense 
hopefully it'll explain a little bit more just how alien Iria is, because I feel like it's implied that she's like not exactly human by the, the acting performance she's giving. She's been around humans enough to know how to act around them. She's still very, again, that like stone-faced, quiet rage sort of thing going on. I don't know exactly. I wish I knew more about the character, I guess, is what I'm getting at here. And uh, I, I look forward to consuming more of this. I, I hate watching movies like this because working on these scripts, I'm working on filming these movies. I'm trying to get stuff made. And I'm never going to make something like this on the $50 budget all of my films have. And, you know, there's just too many cool things I want to do that this movie did. <laughs> I can't. I'll never have enough money. Movies like this and like The Evil Dead that feel kind of like bare bones budget, even though they had really cool special effects, like the setting, I mean, the, the, the limited number of like characters they had, it felt very like a small house production. And I, I love seeing those, especially when they turn out really well. And I think the main thing that pushes it over the top really is the writing. Certainly the acting is very good too. I think that there's a lot of great performances in here, but uh, the writing is just really, really good. Selling those wholesome moments takes a good writer. And I, I think, I don't know, man, I uh, I am envious. You know what? We didn't really talk about our expectations and our predictions much. Yeah, that's okay. Fuck those things. <laughs> I mean, I said there was going to be no animals. You know, my, my, my realistic was no animals, but we got like a dog and I can't remember what else I said, but like, oh, I also said that it was possible that Zerum was going to be like supporting character and he was but then he was the villain <laughs> and you kind of were close there where it's like a combination of different animals and also a lady so not perfect but pretty close oh and, and the guy in the poster on uh, the one down is that supposed to be Fujikuro like the thief I feel like that's probably him okay and it's clear that the, the very bottom row that's like all the Power Ranger villains that like zoom down yeah and then in the very bottom left they've got uh, the cyborg itself with the hat on oh that's right the cool little, little spinny hat that like when they when they blow him up he just like shoots that uh that spinny hat at them i love that kick she does for the hat Whew, that was clean she's she's got some good martial arts skills it was um they really brought a lot into this movie it was pretty wild yeah yuko is a stellar actress i'll probably be on the lookout for more movies starring her i need to see if i know any of these characters any of these actors or anything it's far enough back that i feel like they probably reuse like a lot of the same actors and like the best of okay she was in sweet home it's a pretty decent horror movie oh it was the tv version okay i haven't seen that one let's see oh no it doesn't really seem like she's been in a ton of stuff for Kamiya. Uh, oh, it looks like he was in one, one of the Guardian, uh, one of the Gamera movies. Gamera Guardian of the Universe. I haven't seen that one, though. And then Tepe. No, I gotta I gotta work on my 90s Japanese cinema. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the point of uh, why we're doing this movie is, uh, I, I, dude, I'm telling you, 90s Japanese cinema had that drip, man. That yeah. style, that flair, something about it was just, it was right on. Like, they had it. It was perfect, perfect. Down to the very last details. Perfect. These are the movies for me. They are or I don't know who, somebody sat down and said, I'm going to make movies for See For Yourself himself. He's going to love my stuff. 40 years from now, 30 years from now, however long from now, he'll be watching them and saying, oh, it's for me, it's for me. Well, if no one has seen it, hopefully they'll join this podcast and they'll they'll notice it and they'll be like, yeah, I'm a Zerum fan. So, you know, we're, we're coming up on that time now that you're sort of preemptively signing off, I guess. Uh, are there any last minute predictions you want to make? Or Fucking shit. Are there any last minute things you want to say about the movie that we didn't really get to? Nah, I feel like I've, I've said everything I could possibly think about saying. I liked it. There was a lot of fighting and there was a lot of good comedy. It was an enjoyable afternoon. I, I love the bit where 
uh, it basically came down to Iria and the Zayram like sort of struggling with one each with with each other one on one. The the cyborg has now been fully finished off. The Zayram like lunges at Iria and she gets to sort of like grab it and, and wrestle around with it. I did not think we would get a scene like that because almost all the other scenes where the Zayram does anything, it's not really interacting with any other actual actors. It's usually just like it's pulling the sword out of the cyborg's head or it's sort of spitting something up, you know, by itself. But to have it, its face right next to the actress's face for Yuko's face, I didn't expect that, honestly. I also didn't expect to actually get a full-on shot of its head exploding. <laughs> Again, these are the things that were made for me. It was that crazy, uh, the ammo little pouch, the little ammo pouch the guy throws because mm-hmm. she's out <laughs> yeah they set it up earlier and you know that's oh. right yeah see that that's what tepe does tepe has like the ammo that he throws at the last mm-hmm. second his big moment and he also he also gets to kill the dog which is pretty cool oh yeah he kicks him off the tower which it has this it has this yipe yipe thing i was like oh don't remind us no <laughs> they didn't want to let us forget that that was <laughs> that was the little dog we saw earlier in the film oh shit okay i did not know this and now i'm freaking out okay fuji kuro the actor who plays him his name is sabu he is a director you might recognize him from ichi the killer which which guy the guy who played fuji kuro yeah he's um he's the 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 cop who's like the dad the guy who lost his gun and got kicked off the force yeah yeah and so he's like working for like the mafia now and like his like his entire like mafia family they're all getting killed off towards the end and oh my god that's him that guy has range wow i recall the the cop in that movie is like no nonsense He's a very serious. He is very serious. Yeah. Apparently, he just goes by Sabu, like like one name actor. I respect that. You know, you should be able to name yourself whatever you like. And he was in Zayram too. Wow, that's really cool. But hey, we'll call it a day there, and we'll just uh, just move on to the, the the next film, and always be looking back on Zayram two, and uh, and wishing every film we watch from now on could just be Zayram two. Why not? Why can't you just be Zayram two? Please, please, just be Zayram two. Thank you for having me. I uh, I'm starting to sense a pattern. First movie was a sci-fi film. Here's another sci-fi film. Don't think I only watch sci-fi films, okay? Well, I, the, the the trouble with you really is finding a film you haven't seen, and even in this one where I was certain nobody had seen this movie. Well, I haven't seen it. You you've seen the other one is the problem. Right. That's that's the. <laughs> We were this close. If, if I had flipped the coin the other way and said, let's watch the first Zayram, even though it's not really available on streaming right now, I would have stumbled into a film you've already seen. I think we picked the better of the two films because of these two. I don't remember much about the first one, but this one, I feel like I definitely enjoyed more. I don't want to I don't want to put this on the movie, but it feels pretty unforgettable. Yeah, I'm stupid enough to forget anything, but I don't know. This is kind of the, the top of the mountain for me in terms of a movie. Not only would I enjoy watching, but I would love to have worked on this film. I don't care what the next project would be. It would be the first thing on my reel. I would be like, yeah, you want me to work on Mrs. Doubtfire 2? Well, I'll have you know that on my resume, I have Zerum 2. And, uh, you know, so yeah, I'll direct Mrs. Doubtfire 2, I guess. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll lower myself to this level. <laughs> I would slap this around town all day. Tell everybody I know I wrote. I'd put it on my gravestone. Here lies. See for yourself himself. He, we worked on Zerum 2. <laughs> Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be the uh, the larger lettering on the tombstone. <laughs> Underneath it is your name. This My guy name worked on the it. Smallest little letters, yeah. but like the big thing. Zayram too, and it's just constantly playing. Like, oh my god, you got like a little video screen playing on the loop. <laughs> I'm surprised, dog. I'm surprised we don't have headstones like that where it just shows like God, goals, we man. <laughs> we need to stop goals. Doing this. goals. Well, that's that's the end of this episode. Let's Zayram our way out of here. Yep. Ta-ta.
ahead and put it in order for biggest cock in the world award. We're going to go ahead and s ship it out in the mail to you for going and watching the movie. You you've earned it, buddy. You've earned it.